There are so many reasons to ride the wheel at Icon Park. Enjoy vacation in your own backyard with a variety of open air attractions. Planning a theme park visit? If you've already visited one of Orlando's many area theme parks, pick up an Icon Park Topper Pass for just $19.95. Or the Icon Park Play Pass, which includes access to seven great attractions, just $74.99. Get your passes today. Visit IconParkOrlando.com. That's IconParkOrlando.com. There are so many reasons to ride the wheel. What are yours. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Apopka News. Apopka Happenings. Hey, Apopka, if you're talking about it, we're talking about it. On your hometown weekend with Mary Flynn. Brought to you by these Apopka community partners. Florida Door Solutions and Dr. Patrick St. Germain and Germain Chiropractic. Your hometown weekend with Mary Flynn starts now. Welcome to your hometown weekend. I'm Mary Flynn. Happy to be back with you on yet another beautiful Central Florida day. And uh, I hope you're having a lovely day. You might have an even better day when you've gotten to meet our first guest. And I'm excited uh, to talk with her. You know, uh, it wasn't very long ago on this program where we were talking with doctors and school principals and other, you know, medical people and psychologists about what was going on with COVID. It's been a while since we were able to come out of that and and uh, focus on brighter, more hopeful things. And one of the things we know is people now are talking about um, how they went through COVID and what they learned from it or how they hurt from it. There was a lot of pain connected with it. Uh, that's why I'm excited to have our first guest this morning, um, uh, Raven Yvette, because um, she's a great author. I'm looking at her books right here, uh, children's books, coloring books, a um, a really interesting uh, recipe book. I mean, it's wonderful. And there's a story behind these. So why don't you tell us about your little journey here, Miss Raven Yvette? Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Miss Mary. I would like to say I'm so pleased and ecstatic for being here. Thank you for having <laughs> me. I really appreciate it. And um, yes, I have some books. They are all on Amazon. I would like to first say to my audience that I'm very nervous. This is my first radio interview. So please, <laughs> if I sound like I'm rambling on, just please try to forgive me. No, not I'm going to give you guys a little backstory on me when I was 14 years old, I was taken out of high school for whatever reason and placed in homeschool um, where my extracurricular activities were church and going home to school. Well, I was taught that um, the most important thing was to be prepared for Jesus's return. Mm -hmm. And although I still think that that is true, I have grown in my life to come to understand that um, you need a relationship with your creator. You need higher education and you also need your health in order to survive in this world True, and yeah. have a happy, fulfilled life. So with all those things in mind, the little girl that wanted, that had all these dreams, she came out during quarantine. And I don't know, I just became a totally different person. So I went from Raven Yvette um, to just from Raven Yvette, just plain old Raven Yvette to Raven Yvette, the author. Okay. Mm -hmm. My first book was geared towards the 21st Century Caregiver's Guide. It's COVID-19 pandemic version with caregivers in mind, because I know that no one knew the direction that we were going in and it had never happened. And then I started to think, what if this happens again? What will the people in the future do? So then I just started to 
create something for people in the future. It's current. It's now. So let's also, you know, like make something for history because this is I know for a fact that that moment is going to be in history forever. Mm -hmm. Like it's something that we all went through all over across the world. So I have the 21st Century Caregiver Guide um, pandemic version. It's a little booklet. And that's where I came up with that. Um, But I don't know, since I was going to the store so much, I felt like I was going to the grocery store all the time. So then I came up with the 21st Century Quarantine Cuisine Three-Ingredient Cookbook (laughs) because I was running out of ideas. And I said, well, I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels like this. So I came up with that. But... The ideas were were flowing so much in my head that I did not put pictures in this book. So I decided that maybe I'm going to just produce it, get the idea out there, because you don't know how long the pandemic is going to last. So you were doing this. Let me just stop for a second. Mm -hmm. You were like everybody else. You were restricted. Sure. You were wondering how long this is going to last and where we're going with this. Sure. But you chose to take a little bit different path. You you saw, well, what can I do? Now, with regard to the caregiver, were you caregiving during the during the pandemic? Because uh, a lot of a lot of yes. jobs for people stopped. Well, I, I worked the entire pandemic. With oh, you a did? sweet little old lady. Oh. And I was with her for the whole entire year. I went to her five days a week. And we sat and we went through this thing together. Yes. So I, I created the book while I was at her house, as a matter of fact. She knows all about it. Oh. And she rooted me on the whole entire time. So, yeah, I never <laughs> stopped working. And to this day, I'm still a caregiver and I still work in the field. But, you know, I, I want to do other things. And we don't have to be limited to, to, oh, absolutely. to just and, one career exactly. or things in our life. Yeah, sure. One of the things I like about your story and your journey, as we as we spoke before, uh, is that you you didn't settle for being upset, being trapped, being whatever, or, or being just a caregiver, although caregiving is one of the most right. vital, important things we can do. But you had a bright enough spirit to say, well, let me see, what else can I do at this time? And I love that. Well, I didn't even know that it was inside of me. The uh, the pandemic brought it out of me because I was able to zero in and do some inner work. And um, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way, that you're able to zero in and do your inner work when it's just when you're focused on yourself. Yeah. One of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is exactly because of that attitude, because many people did not. Many people do not. They just kept looking at the empty glass. Mm. You know, I used to have a good job. I used to go into work with people. I used to be able to get a break from my kids because, you know, they were in school. I used to be happy. I used to be, <laughs> eat out three nights a week. And they lived in the world of used to. And I think that might have attributed to a great increase in mental health issues, depression, um, there was certainly an increase in suicides. Wow. So what you're telling us is is more than just a passing fancy here. It's an important story for people to hear because you are the embodiment of someone who chose a different path. And perhaps we could say, based on what you said in your opening remarks, that you turned to God and said, get me through this. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. And he did. He provided me the tools that I need. I mean, I work with some really cool people 
on these projects that were just all for me and they, they pointed me in the right direction. And I'm just grateful for those things. And I'm just happy that things turned out as well as they did. <laughs> and I'm excited for everyone to just get my books. By the way, they're on Amazon. All six books are on Amazon. I want you to Yeah, go we'll up. talk about these. We'll talk, yes, because yeah. I, I want to talk about them. They're interesting books and they're quite, they're quite beautiful. Well, thank um, you. I just want to ask a question. So during this time, you were a caregiver. Yes, ma'am. And you said you had children. Were they grown children at this oh, point? Oh, my goodness, <clears throat> yes. I am 43 years old. And I... you don't look, I really have to say, <laughs> honestly, you know, when I met you, I told you, I think you look like you're 28 years oh, old. Oh, my God. Thank you so, so much. So God is blessing you in many ways. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. But, yes, I have a 23-year-old and I have a 17-year-old. So, yes. And I raised them both myself. So, um I went through all the woes of motherhood, and and they're beautiful children. Very nice. Mm -hmm. So here you are, and you're helping this lovely elderly lady, and you're doing what you need to do, and your mind is saying, what else can I do? What else is there? Which is a spirit in itself. See, that's a turning point moment. So here's what I'm curious about, and we're going to talk about your books in a moment. But what I want to know is, how did you know how to write? Like, people don't just sit down and write. People don't sit down and write. Well, you don't know how to write at first. Yeah. You know, you just try. That's all I did was try. I'm not going to say that, oh, I became this smart person and I started doing all this stuff. You do inner work. One of the main things I wanted to express is that I used to be a big procrastinator, okay? And when you stop procrastinating and you put action to the things that you want to do and you follow through, beautiful things Mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's as simple as change your habits, change your life. Mm -hmm. And, and that's exactly what I did. That's all I did was change my habits and change my life. And here we are. Even if you do one thing, just Mm -hmm. do one thing more, one thing more. Yes. Yes. And that's so true. The first book, um, I didn't even, I wasn't even sure if I could do something like that at first, but then there's that, the spirit that is, Okay, I wasn't sure if I could do that at first, but then I just tried to do it. And once I tried to do it, I followed through with it. And I said, okay, well, you know what? I didn't procrastinate this time, and I actually completed something. And was that the uh, the uh, care book? Yeah, this was the, the, the care caregiver book. book. And then we went into the 21st Century Quarantine Cuisine book. And then we went into the 21st yeah. Century Letters, Numbers, and Tracing yeah. Practice book. Now, we'll talk about is, these. Yeah, what's interesting, though, what I want to focus but, on is, what I want to focus on is, what was smart is you started with what you knew. That's right, which goes to the 21st Century Letters, Numbers, and Tracing book with the kids because that book, it teaches kids the alphabet, and it's of their anatomy. It teaches A is for arm, B is for body, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So it teaches them about their anatomy right. at a very early age. Right. Plus their ABCs. The series is Twinkle Toes, so they go through the numbers and they count mm-hmm. on their little toes. <laughs> So you started with, uh, we're going to take a break in a second, but you started with, and I think this is important because, you know, there are many, many people listening to us, Raven, who know that they've always wanted to write something. People Mm. have been told, many people have been told, you may have been told, I have been told, oh, you've got such an interesting life, you should tell your story. People hear this a lot and they want to tell their story, they want to tell something and they're afraid to start. I've heard this so many times because I've coached young writers, new writers, and people are afraid. What I like is that you started with something that you knew, you put it down, 
And then you expanded from there. Well, thank you so much. And what I really want to say is I started writing when I was in fifth grade. I wrote a play. I don't think I started writing, but I'm going to say this. I wrote a play in fifth grade and my teacher let me perform it in front of the classroom. So I guess that you could say that that was the early beginnings of my writing. Sure. You know, even then. But I I never knew that I had this in me. And sometimes, um, and we'll come back to this in a moment, but sometimes those very earliest impulses or traits or passions, they can go one of two ways. Either they kind of die a slow death under career moves or they surface and we live our dream. I mean, you know, someone. We're going to take a break. Uh, Raven Yvette, happy to have you here with your wonderful story. Thank you. And how you reinvented yourself, so to speak, your words. And I think it's wonderful. Uh, When we come back, we'll do more because I'm very curious about this, and I think our listeners will be, too. It's important information. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back on your hometown weekend. And here we are back on your hometown weekend having a lovely time um, being inspired uh, by uh, our guest today, a woman who uh, is lovely in so many ways, uh, in spirit certainly, because she chose to reinvent herself, so to speak, during the time when many others were bemoaning uh, the uh, the problem with being uh, quarantined and, and uh, restricted and so on. So uh, welcome back, Raven Yvette. Thank you. <laughs> we were talking about your first book during this time. You, while you were doing a caregiving services to a wonderful elderly lady, you decided to write this book. And as you said, you, you first started writing when you were very, very young. You wrote a little uh, play mm-hmm. at school. But it's interesting how sometimes, and we need to pay attention to these things, sometimes we have an opportunity in life to revisit and mm. the earliest of passions. Yes. And that's apparently what you did. You went back to that initial instinct in your life to yes. write something. And you created a book based on your profession on mm-hmm. 21st century caregiving, which so many people listening to this show alone would be interested in knowing because we have so many caregivers wow. out there. And then you went on to create this character... And your books are lovely. I will say this also. I want to comment on it now while I think of it. Um, your books are lovely. You know, I have seen, I'm an author myself for many years. And I started when I was like eight years old. Yeah, Yay! yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm saying. But um, with lots of stops in between, by the way. But um, I've seen many, many startup books. And they lack presence. They lack weight. They lack interest. Your books are surprisingly good for first shot around. Thank you so Um, much. They have a very nice weight to them. Uh, But you also, in the process of all this, created a character called Miss Hootenanny. The Hootenanny character was inspired while I was caregiving. Um, I went to caregive for this lady for two weeks, and they had the house all decorated, so we decided that we were going to have a little party. So I dressed up, and we invited um, a guest over, and one of the guests, and the guest said, you know, you look like, um, I had a guitar. <laughs> you Could you play the guitar? 
<laughs> um, I strum the guitar. I am in. I'm taking guitar lessons. I think that's wonderful. You know? <laughs> it's yet another thing. I love this. I love it. Yes. So um, the guitar is also a part of the character. So, anyways, I came up with this character. She called me a hootenanny, and I said, well, what is a hootenanny? Maybe we want to look that up to find out exactly what that is. <laughs> we looked it up and find that found out that it's just a character that um, it's a person that has audience participation mm-hmm. and with some kind of instrument. So anyways, I like the word hootenanny, and I just ran with it and decided to create a character from it. And Hootenanny was born October 25th, 2021. So she's a very new character. Um, we're only in March, and I'm already on the radio. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy very... to have you here. But this Thank is what you. But you see. This is what happens, Raven, Miss Hootenanny, when you <laughs> when you when you step out. Yes. This is why I wanted you to come on the show. When you step out, try something, and you said it best yourself. You were going to try it, yes. and it has just kept multiplying. Yes, the Hootenanny character has just kept multiplying. What I did was the first book, Mrs. Hootenanny, Three Ingredient Quarantine Cookbook. Um, It was inspired by my first book, The 21st Century Quarantine Cuisine, because I didn't put pictures in the first book. But the Hootenanny Quarantine Cookbook, it has my picture on the cover and all of the pictures inside of the cookbook. I put them together myself. I did all the scenery and everything. So that's me. That came from my heart. I find I, that amazing because I've had friends who've tried to put together books. Well, you you will know. <laughs> well, you know what? It it is a little bit difficult. I will say that some of the recipes do not have um they don't have pictures because no, I just right. couldn't do everything. I mean, I couldn't do everything. I couldn't do all but of it. But it's a nice, clean-looking book, and the amazing thing about it is that all the recipes have three ingredients. Yes. That's my kind of recipe. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Except one recipe, which is a recipe that I put together myself, which is the pizza um, recipe, my award-winning, Ooh. worthy pizza recipe. Well, there's a bunch of ingredients in it, but what the heck, you what know? What the heck, <laughs> right, right. We can branch out at some point. Yeah, this is the 21st century. You kind of, yeah, like, yeah. just do whatever you want. But and then after that, um, I came up with the coloring book, which is Mrs. Hootenanny and Prince the Frog. Now, you'll notice mm-hmm. on the Mrs. Hootenanny three-ingredient cookbook that there's a frog on the cover of the book. Yeah. And because I don't own the rights to that frog, uh-huh. I simply, you need to understand that that frog changes into different frogs. That is not my frog. My frog changes into numerous frogs. <laughs> and in the, in the coloring book, you'll see that there are lots of nice frogs to color. And it's also educational for children as well. It teaches them their numbers and their shapes. So, um, and you know, I love the way, I love the way you do this. I've been through all these books and <laughs> What I love is um, you use the f- feet. You oh, use, yes. You use something that kids can recognize. Of course. So the number one, you're showing one foot. That's right. And One and little toesy. One, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and then two, you have two feet. I mean, it's really, it's a lovely book. It's colorful. It's large. The... Um, we're looking at a book that's probably roughly eight and a half by 11 size, like a, 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 a piece of paper size, maybe a little larger. It's colorful. It's simple to follow. Um, even I can follow it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's really nice and it's smart. It's, it's a really smart way. It reinforces in so many ways what the letter is that you're talking about. For example, I'm looking at M. And the example that you give is muscle and you show an arm with a muscle holding a weight. Yay. 
and then you show a capital M, and then you show a small M, and you show where it fits in the lineup of the letters in the alphabet, and then you have a place for them to color yes. both the capital letter and the small letter. I mean, I think it's very smart. Yes, early childhood learning is where we're at right now because the children are our future. And that how come I like it so well, Raven? Should I? Worry? <laughs> I want to color it. I want. <laughs> I want to look at all the pictures and I want to color. You can color it. Yeah, you can, yeah. and you can have that one. Okay. <laughs> and any, any, if you want more, you can have those uh, right, too. Right. Okay. So also, um, I came up with Mrs. Houdini Kids gratitude journal this is nice this is my favorite yes oh my yes. goodness because it's for kids and yeah. adults alike yeah the thing about gratitude is that when you show gratitude then more things start to show up gratitude is magical it's and the perfect prayer yeah. yeah yeah it is it is when you're grateful for the things that you have oh my goodness so i'm looking at uh, just a random page i opened it and again it has a beautiful um uh, colored cover, nice weighty color cover. Um, inside, I just picked a random page. You've got a date, and then it sure. says, uh, this person brought me joy today. And there's a box to put a name or more than one. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm thankful for, one, two, three. I feel, and this is smart, you've got um, different looks across. You've got the happy face, the somber face, the serious, the you know, I mean, the the neutral and then at the bottom, it says, write or draw something about your day. And I think that's wonderful. And you know, you're absolutely right, Raven. Adults can do this. This yes. is good work for adults. There's no reason why you can't draw a little picture of what, you know, maybe you want to draw a bluebird today. Yeah, I showed counts. it to my physician and he says that this needs to be in school. <laughs> See, well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, agree. Yeah. He was I, so impressed simple. by it. What I like about your work, and I said it again and I'll repeat it because it's important, is there are so many ticks and tasks on a page yet so carefully laid out so smart so simple Mm -hmm. anybody can use it and this is one i agree this something like this should be in the school and i'll tell you what it should be in the school more than what they're trying to get in the schools nowadays Mm -hmm. you know get let's get back to basics and uh so on so yeah so then you you so then what you started making these books yes i started making books for this and it just took off. I'm six books in right now. We also have a comic book coming up, which is going to be Hootenanny is going to transform into a superhero character. So I'm calling all comic book lovers to um, follow me on Instagram. It's Mrs. E. Hootenanny because it is a fun page and I'm sure you can find something on it that you like. I'm adding local businesses and I'm available for collaborations. So go ahead, follow me, hit like, share, and um, yeah, that's where we're at right now. Comic so let's books repeat on the that way. again for for Instagram because you have a lot on Instagram. Yes. Uh, that is the big social media giant right now. E, letter E, Mrs. Mrs. E, e. dot Hootenanny. Okay. Yes. Okay. And all of the books are on Amazon, so just to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, how do people get your books? Amazon. Okay, go to Amazon, and are they looking for Miss Hootenanny? Are you, they looking? Who are they looking for? On do they do they go under books? Um, all you have to do is go to Amazon and Google uh, and put in Mrs. Hootenanny. Okay, or and, and it'll come or, up. You know what? Put in Raven Yvette. Okay, and everything mm-hmm. is there. Okay, Raven Yvette, R A V E N, Yvette. We we. <laughs> We, 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 Y-V-E-T-T-E, 
Raven yes. Yvette, and everything will come up. And um, I'm excited for you. I'm so glad you joined us today because you're inspiring. Thank you for having me. Whatever your name is, whether it's Raven <laughs> Yvette, whether it's Miss Hootenanny, you've done great stuff, and we, we thank you. We need people. We need people with more spirit like yours. Thank you so much. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank hope, you so much. We hope you'll come back in the future. And I'm sorry if I sound a little crazy. It's just my first time. This is my first oh, radio interview. Well, no, we do crazy very well around here. <laughs> Thank you, guys. You're Thank very you welcome. So much. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back on your hometown weekend. Right, it's time to get back to the show with Mary Flynn. And it's brought to you by One Bank Apopka, Florida Door Solutions, and Dr. Patrick St. Germain and Germain Chiropractic. The talk of Apopka, it's always here. Let's head back into the studio with your hometown weekend. The second half starts now. Baby, you a song. You make me want to roll my windows down and cruise. And here we are back on your hometown weekend. Mary Flynn having a lovely day today. And especially so right now because I'm welcoming a person. You know, one of the things we love to do on this show, you know, because in the last two years there was a lot of bad news about COVID and we were covering that endlessly and we've started coming out of that with more optimistic um, subject matter. And today we're we're in one of those modes because uh, Pastor uh, Scott Ballou is with us and his story is amazing because, and I have to say this because I'm so impressed by it, um, you actually started this amazing uh, endeavor, ministry, if you will, uh, because of uh, bad weather. Yeah, yeah, you're really, yeah. I mean, that's I, where it enough, started. That's, that's literally where it started. Yeah, and that's where Matthew's Hope yeah. started. And uh, so t- tell us tell us about that. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, back in, if you go back into 2010, which would actually be the winter of 2009, we had some of the worst weather Central Florida had seen mm. in years cold-wise. And I had actually was sitting with some friends, and we were saying, well, what would it look like if we were to get people out of the cold when it's dangerously cold? Yeah, you know, Your body can do pretty well until about two days of sub-30 degrees. We started talking to local churches, and, and sadly, I'm sad to say that that we were turned away by pretty much all of them. That's surprising, isn't it? Uh, you know, as a pastor and, uh. you know, at the time I had come out, you know, I had a 20-year sales and marketing career. This is my second 20-year career uh. in ministry. And so at that time I was still, you know, young to the ministry and I was kind of honestly kind of disturbed by it. And uh, I had kind of given up. And the last church I called said, well, you can come here for, uh, I think they said Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday nights. Those were the nights that nobody was at the church. Mm-hmm. And and explain to them that about 35 people a year die in Central Florida from exposure, which surprises a lot of people. So we called it the freeze warning shelter. What ended up happening is that they end up, um, uh, the weather stayed very cold. And so it was a Wednesday. And Wednesday's teaching was how to serve for the least of these, how to serve mm-hmm. the least of these. The funny part is they were pushing out the homeless people so they could have the lesson on serving Lisa's. Oh my gosh. And so the light went on for someone and says, So are we actually going to ask the homeless people to go back out into this freezing weather so that we can talk about how to care for them? Uh, and that literally took off from there. Yeah. Um, we were, we ended up being on a television and uh, uh, it was. Uh, station that does what they call weather in the ones. Mm. And so everybody's watching the weather and our story was being told 
every hour on the hour for almost four days straight, and people started to respond. Wow. And so you, Scott Ballou, founded, uh, you're now CEO and president of Matthew's Hope. Sounds a lot uh, more impressive than it is. Well, I don't think so. (laughs) When we consider that you're taking a lot of, when you look at your mission, facilitator of opportunities for individuals desiring to move forward into a life of independence, sustainability. I mean, you know, homeless people, we put them in one big lump. We do. And um, if I may, you know, many people say, oh, well, you know, they could be doing something else. Uh, You know, we try to help them, but they don't want help. But it's so much more complex than that, isn't it, uh, It's 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 much more complex than that. I mean, first off, as I I shared with you before, the youngest I've ever had is 14 days old. amazing. What did that child do to deserve to be homeless? The oldest was 97 years old. What did that woman deserve to do to become homeless? You know, and people don't realize the the, the challenges we have uh, that we've pl- put in place to once you become homeless to get out of it. I mean, one of the things I joke with politicians about all the time is one of the things you need to get services from the government, which we don't take any government funding, uh, but but uh, to get is to have a home address. Oh right. So you're homeless. Yeah. But to get homeless services, you have to have a home address. Yeah. So literally, we became their address. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that we started offering. But we, we wanted to take a different approach. When I was homeless uh, as a kid with my mom and, and, and for a period as a young adult, I, what I realized back then is everybody loved to feed a homeless person here and there. Yeah. And I kind of say that tongue-in-cheek. No, I get especially it. Especially during Christmas. Mm-hmm. Okay? Oh, it's a big one. Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, you know? yeah. And if we can see the homeless in their natural habitat, all the better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, and, and so we started to take a look at this and said, uh, the success of ours comes from looking what everybody else was doing and doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. But also making it sure that it was Christ-centered in all we did. Mm-hmm. You know, what I tell my my volunteers, and there's thousands of them in our, in our staff and what have you, is every day I say, we're not going to beat people over the head with the Word of God. They, 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 they don't need that. What they need to do is see a glimpse of who He is in us every time we right. see them. Well and that's, that's our focus. And when you yeah. do that and dignity starts to build and people start to care about themselves and understand that they themselves truly are a child of God, everything changes. The reality of it is, in most cases, the church has often done much of the damage. Mm-hmm. Not them, not here. Us for no more. Right, right. And one thing, well, two things that you say is you're not an emergency um, shelter. Correct. And you're not a soup kitchen. Correct. And yet you are providing <laughs> basic needs through, through what you say, yeah. the, the godly presence. Exactly. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, we had, even when we first opened up as Matthew's Hope, we had a hard time getting insured because nobody knew what to call us oh. because we're not a shelter and yet we house people. Yeah. You know, we do the freeze warning shelter when we, when, when weather is terribly bad, but we also have 14 transitional homes uh, here in Orange County. Um, you know, we're not a, we're not a school, but we do have a pre Montessori preschool and a daycare. Oh. Uh, we're not a medical provider yet. We have a medical office. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so it goes on and on and, and, uh, it really was trying to, and, and I hate using this terminology. I just haven't found new words for it yet, but you hear about things being holistic, right. but we truly are wrapping services around right, the person sure. so that they can move towards a life of independence and self-sustainability. And often that is by us demonstrating the love, hope, grace, and mercy of Christ and mm-hmm. all we do. And they see that. And then they're compelled to want to know more. And all of a sudden you see the shoulders drop, mm-hmm. drop down. You see that the, the neck come up and, and all of a sudden you're making eye contact with someone who probably hasn't made eye contact Aww. in years. Yeah. yeah. And I think you said it best. I mean, you're not just 
you know, at Christmas time, throwing a nice plaid blanket over someone lying on the street mm-hmm. and feeling good about it, then right. going home and opening presents. And you know, <laughs> so it's kind of you, ironic. Uh, isn't it? It's it, kind it, of strange. It, it yeah. really is. Do you? So do you have a facility? Or there are multiple. Well, we have currently right now we have a, an outreach center in uh, based in Winter Garden, Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are getting ready to uh, uh, open up in the next few months in in Cocoa, Florida, to handle Central oh. Brevard. Okay. Uh, that's something new for us. But um, uh, we've just grown over the years to where we have about eleven thousand square feet over, square feet over there because we also have our own shop to build custom furniture in that. And this really? is homeless men and women. And then we have a store, an upper scale store, not a thrift store that people can purchase that or make custom orders with us. And what that does is allows us to see, learn work ethic yeah. of what these people are because we don't take government tr- uh, funding. We do background checks on everyone. We can drug test on a whim and therefore we prepare them for the real world. Once again, um, hmm. you know, anybody who wants to work for Matthew's hope, uh, that's homeless can, but we pay them points instead of dollars, but dollars can only be used for things that will help them move forward, such as paying child support. So you can see your children, oh, yeah. having your teeth replaced, mm. getting a computer. So you can go to school, buying a car. I mean, you, we've had people that have bought cars. Um, we've had people that have had various surgeries done that now have their sight. Um, oh. Almost anything you can think of that will help move them towards that independence. Well, that's that's remarkable. I haven't heard that approach. I Me haven't neither. heard that approach. <laughs> that's why you made it up. That's why we did. Yes, uh, people said, "How'd you do this?" And we made yeah, it up we as made we it went. Up. Well, yeah. it makes sense if you look at the whole thing. As you said, you don't like using the word holistic, but if you do look at the whole pie, instead of just taking one slice of it, what else are we talking about? I mean, because and and you know, isn't it true? Work, hands-on work is so important to the dignity of a person, right? Okay, and biblical. I mean, Christ made, you know, he was a carpenter. I can actually show you where it says you you work, you eat. But he also yeah, says yeah. care for those who can't care, care for, for those who can't, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very different way of thinking, but because uh, we don't want to enable people. And we also don't, you know, if you treat people like an animal and right, then expect right. them not to act like an exactly. animal, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. You know, but I think that's, again, why you need to go completely wrap these services around them because otherwise you're treating the symptoms. You're not treating the cause. Sure. So it's kind of like if I always use the comparison, if you and I were sitting here and every time we sat here, your nose was running and I just kept handing you tissues. Yeah. And week after week, I'm spending money handing you tissues. Well, at some point, shouldn't I wonder, well, does she have a cold? Right. Yeah. Does she have a cocaine habit like I oh. once had? Oh, uh, yeah. Is it allergies? We have to find out what's causing what's that. On? And what happens is typically everybody's treating the symptoms and that's never going to accomplish anything. It's not. But it's it spends not. a lot of money. Yeah. And often makes us feel good. We pat ourselves on the back. And probably if you're government funded, you get money for it. Well, and the challenge with the government funding also is that it's so restrictive. And we really found that out when COVID hit. We never shut down. In fact, we expanded greatly over the uh, pandemic. Um, What happened is, for instance, if a government grant you were to receive it, and Mary, you have the lovely green shirt on, and they say, we're going to give you $100,000 for green shirts. But all of a sudden, if you want to live, you have to change to a blue shirt. And they say, but we don't. That money's not for blue shirts. That's for green shirts. Mm -mm. So these organizations were stopped in their tracks and either shut down altogether or just shuttered during the time, which put a lot more pressure on us. And and our folks stepped to the plate. The community took took to the the streets with us, and and we handled it. That's wonderful. 
We are going to take a break in a minute. And when we come back, I have so much more to ask you, including how do how do people come to you? I mean, because am I wrong to say that homeless people very often don't seek the whole picture? I'm picturing that a homeless person will come for a meal. Yes. And this that's, I'm not saying that as a criticism, by the way. No, no, I, saying, no I agree. Probably because they don't know what's available. Uh, they'll come for a meal. They'll come for the night if it's cold. Right. Even if they cuddle outside the doorway. Correct. Um, but um, it's a wonderful thing that if someone does come asking for a meal, they get the whole banquet. The meal is just the, the introduction. Yeah, yeah. We're talking with um, very interesting Scott Ballou, who's uh, Pastor Scott Ballou, who's founder, uh, CEO, and president of Matthew's Hope, uh, something that um, a, a very bright spot in what is sometimes a, a little bit of a dark world. Uh, so we're glad you're here. We want to hear more when we come back uh, on your hometown weekend. Um, thanks for being with us today. Stay with us, everybody. So we'll, much. Be, we'll be right back. Yeah. And here we are back, Mary Flynn, on your hometown weekend, having a delightful and I think important conversation with Pastor Scott Ballou, uh, founder, um, CEO, president of Matthew's Hope, a wonderful organization, giving us a little bit of a different view of how to help the homeless. Homeless is another word we throw around. Oh, they're mm-hmm. homeless. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if they're kids, they're homeless. Or We know people who were homeless. You said you yeah. were at one time. Yeah. I'm grateful I never was, but somewhere in the back of our minds, especially when people lose their jobs. Yes. I have friends. I have a friend who lost her job and because she couldn't get hired in a long time, lived in her car. Sure. All the time. So, um, so even though this, this, uh, the germ of this organization started when the weather was cold and everybody said, Hey, we got to get these people inside. Mm -hmm. And suddenly it has not suddenly, I'm sure, (laughs) has burgeoned into a wonderful organization that offers the opportunity to really live a fulfilling life with dignity. Mm-hmm. How do people come to you? Because as we said kind of before the break, I imagine that a homeless person might seek shelter because they're desperate, might seek a meal because they're starving, but they may not realize there's a whole body of important services sure. Tell us well, about and, and that. typically there's not, or if they are, they're spread all over the place. And how are they going to get to? Yeah, them? yeah. Uh, many don't even know what day or time it is. No. You know, when you're living in the woods, living on the streets, your big focus, it's it's almost addiction within itself. Is that you're trying to eat throughout the day? So breakfast, once breakfast done, you're trying to figure out lunch, lunch, and then dinner, and dinner. Where do I sleep tonight? Mm-hmm. And so they're on the cycle. So when people say, "Well, just get a job," here, what people don't often understand is, first off, there could be mental illness involved. Right, often. Right. Uh, I, I used to tell people, and I still do, that uh, if you didn't have a mental illness before you were homeless, you will afterwards. Isn't and that I, true? And I'm telling that you that from experience, yeah. the anxiety is incredible. Yes. Um, and uh, and there, and when you don't have a place to give treatment, because we really don't have treatment facilities anywhere in the United States anymore, so that's a challenge. Everything we see happen is has involved trauma of some kind, mm. guaranteed. Now it may not be a trauma to you and I. We look at it and go, well, we made it through that. But for them, whatever it was, rocked their world to the point 
uh, that they didn't know what the next step was. And so part of what we're doing is we're, we're walking with them. What we say is help us help them help themselves. Uh-huh. But it's almost like walking alongside a toddler who's first uh-huh. learning how to walk. Yeah. And they're kind of bouncing off the walls. And you're just trying to study yeah, them. Exactly. That's who we are. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. We're trying to study, study them through the process. The meal is often the first step. And they often, there is no more than that in most places. And so when we start to walk with them and talk with them, and we set it up to where we try to have weekly contact, and we do this by running bus routes so that they can come in uh, throughout the area. We have buses that come, and, and they pick, 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 pick people up. Uh, we have literally a route, and they can come in for showers and haircuts, and they can have their so laundry done. So they do done. come. See, this is, oh, yeah. this is what, in a way, I'm curious about. Because I've heard or seen, maybe it was in the movies, you know, mm-hmm. we, we learned so much right. from movies where someone gets helped. And once they get what they need, the meal, mm-hmm. um, maybe a bath, maybe not, they go away and they don't come back. Sometimes that's true. Yeah. Often it has to do with how they were treated during that time. Oh, yeah. It makes a big difference. But the other is to make sure they're exposed to all this. This is why we want them to to come in and see our facility. And all of a sudden they see people cutting hair and they learn they can bring their laundry in each week. Oh, so and, tell us about yeah. that. So this is what they're seeing when they come. Oh, yes, ma'am. So tell us about that. What are those things? Like, yeah, when they when they, the first their first exposure to us is first we want to make sure we get something in their stomachs. Right, right. Okay. But then we let them know that the showers are available, that medical care is available, the hygiene is available. We even have someone who comes in once a month and does manicures. Oh wow. Uh, the the yeah. ministry of touch, if you will. Okay. Then from there we find out what's going on. How did this happen? Peel that onion back. Uh, do they need an ID? Do they need a birth certificate? Do they need a social security card? Uh, do they need to build a resume? Um, do they have debt or that needs to be cared for or fines? Or, you know, have they gone through a divorce and, and uh, they have challenges there? Uh, you know, there are so many different are things. Are they evading something? And sometimes that's true. And we yeah. and because we do a background check on everybody, we know that as well. Yeah. Uh, the only people we won't serve on site is if they're a sexual offender and in those cases, uh, what we do is we say, we can't serve you here. I mean, we'll say, what was your hope in coming here today? If they tell us, we'll try to fill that need. And they say, we can't bring you back in here because we have a lot of children and women yeah, yeah. working with, mm-hmm. but we will serve you in the field. Because here's the, you know, I was molested as a kid. You know, the I want to paint these people orange, put a siren on them. The other side of it is they are still human beings. And you can't just trespass the problem away. So you just keep pushing him somewhere else. Right. We've got to come up with a better plan on that. I'm not saying I have it, but at some point we're running out of places. And certainly, to put you know, God's plan is mercy as well. And that's that's often a tough forgiveness and mercy are often tough um, things that God wants us to do. Toughest thing I ever did personally, but yeah. once I was able to do that personally with my own offenders and what have you, it it allowed you to you know what I tell people all the time and, and going through seminary at Reformed Theological Seminary. Uh, over in Oviedo, I uh, I said, you know, I noticed that no place in Scripture does it say I have to like anyone. Yeah, it calls me to love them, so I don't need to care right. about how they smell, how they got there, what's going on, how they act. What I need to do is love them unconditionally, and when that happens, God has a way of 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 making things happen that yep. most of us can't get our head around. Mm-hmm. It's quite remarkable. It's isn't it's it? miracles, and we see them every day at Matthew's Hope, but it's. You've got to be open to the fact that it can happen. You've got to be open to the fact that you might have to walk through some pretty nasty stuff before you get there. So, um, because I'm always curious about this, uh, if you go to certain parts of Orlando, you right on the street, if you were riding along the street and you saw a couple of people hunched against the, the wall, uh, covered over, you know, with a cap over their head, you can't even tell if they're male, female or anything, 
would you try to draw these people in or do they have to initiate themselves? No, we would actually stop. We have also on top of our transports, we have two mobile teams that go out with food, clothing, and hygiene. Oh, okay. And so that's our first introduction to them. We literally find them first. And then what happens once you find a new group, they then the word spreads. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, we got a busload of folks that we're bringing in for services. Yeah. Um, but no, we, we go on what we call the homeless hunt all the time. Mm. And we take days where we send some teams out. Uh, with those vehicles and we look for them and normally we're two or more gathered <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, you see yeah. the rest of them you find the rest of them you, you start the and they start telling when things start to happen for them right they tell the other people they'll share that oh their network is incredible yeah oh i'm sure yeah so um how do you don't you don't take government funding and oh, we we've heard this from others as well because that government imposition then you know, especially when you're speaking the Lord, yes, we know what's going on in this in this country. Um, so then, how how do you get what you need? It really is even exposure like this about yeah. right now, and our pyramid is completely upside down to any any, and I trust you against any nonprofit in the country. Sixty five percent plus of our money comes from individuals like you and I wow. that have understood our mission, see its biblical base, and what have you, and, and come alongside of us. The next biggest chunk actually comes from businesses, uh, roughly about 25%. Wow, uh, I'm sad to say, and this will strike people as probably very interesting, is less than one half of 1% actually comes from churches. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I, and and I often say Matthew's hope wouldn't even exist if the church was doing what she was birthed to do. And But, but we're here. And I will also say the people in those churches – and uh, have been become our volunteers and have been our, mm-hmm. come our financial supporters mm-hmm. and donors. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to be clear on that. But yeah, I'm always sure. interested to see that you know when you got about a six million dollar budget and and yeah, the church doesn't make a, yeah. a blip on your chart. It's right. interesting. Do you do you hold fundraising events of any kind? We do. And- we do. We actually have one next week called Giving oh. on the Green. The golf thing. Um, it's a golf thing. Oh, yeah, golf thing. Yeah. Everybody loves golf things. They love golfing. It, we make it a lot of fun. We have different things happening. Is it still throughout. open or is it closed? I, I think there's only a couple of uh, uh, spots left open. But if people and, are interested? Oh, if they're interested in finding out more, if they visit our website, you can hit events, you can see the different things that Matthews we have coming Hope.org. It's Matthews Hope Ministries. Ministries. Dot, yes, Matthews ma'am. Hope Ministries.org. And then we always have our big fundraiser in November, which is called the, the Garden Party. You'll come back. That's a blast. You'll come back before then. Love to. To to talk about that because these are important things uh, to promote. Um, So what's your what's your biggest? We only have a couple of minutes left. uh, Needs and challenges. What's what's the biggest for you? I think one of the biggest challenges is is even keeping our food and hygiene pantries and clothing pantries full. But we have specific needs. Again, if somebody contacts us or follows us on Facebook, we're always putting our needs in because one of the things that changed over the pandemic, so much development happened in central Florida. Mm. A lot of the woods disappeared. Yeah. So we, where we used to do a lot of canned goods because people could go back to their camp and prepare it. We've gone more to single, uh, uh, single serving, serving type kind stuff. of thing. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And which is harder to get. Sure. I mean, people mm. actually go to Amazon. We have lists and they purchase it there, what we have on our list and they have it shipped to us. Oh, good idea. Um, so, which is kind of neat. Um, and then hygiene, we not the what size we use is is the the travel size, not hotel, but like what you get at maybe a Target or Walmart. It's about sure. a buck, buck and a half. And there's three reasons for that, Mary. One is that it has no street value. 
So it won't be traded right. for something you don't, okay? Your yeah. money was not intended mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Number two, they're all working out of a backpack, typically living out of that, yeah. and they can carry it. But they number three, it. most importantly, is it makes them return every week so that we can build a relationship with them. We can have them. another shot at it. How do we get yeah. them moving in the right direction? Mm-hmm. And that's where the relationship part comes in. And when you start to see people week after week after week after week, mm-hmm. even the hardest sometimes become your best success stories. So um, golf tournament is coming up. If there's places, people always like that. You get in touch through org. We're always looking for communities, partners, and sponsors as well. Yes, sponsors, donations, volunteers. Volunteers always, yes. Um, We're mostly a volunteer organization. Volunteer organization, yeah. And um, a great cause. You don't have to wait for Christmas to feel better. <laughs> Something we that. need to be doing all year long. Wow. Well, and, and if I can say, I know we're running out of time, but, you know, one of the challenges that an organization like mine has is we have some horrible things happening around the world. Yeah. And so what happens is often that the local is is forgotten. Yes. And that's a challenge. It's true. Um, but I remind people all the time, Lord t- told us to take care of those across the ocean and, and in our backyard as well. And, and it gets to be a challenge. But I think that we need to do both and we need to do both effectively. Well, you are certainly making your attempt a very well done, by the way. And I thank you for joining us today. Thanks for uh, having you're me. a marvel in your organization. I wish you Godspeed and all blessings. Matthew's Hope, and uh, thank you for coming in, uh, Scott Ballou. And we'll see you next time. That'd be great. On your hometown weekend. See you next time, everybody. Be blessed. There are many reasons to ride the wheel at Icon Park, but seeing your kids this happy has to be the best one. Isn't it great to vacation where you live? Plan your spring break at Icon Park today. There's a whole day of outdoor family fun with great restaurants and parking is always free. Get the Icon Park Play Pass and enjoy seven of the most popular attractions, including the wheel, for only $74.99 a person. Visit IconParkOrlando.com. There are so many reasons to ride the wheel. What are yours?